Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to do uh, leading questions as our last topic for the year? Um, yes. Cue music. And welcome to another fine episode and the last episode of 2023 for Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And before we jump into the topic, some housekeeping. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is, as I've now mentioned, I think twice in the intro, uh, (laughs) the last episode of 2023. Um, You are going to be listening if you're keeping current on us. You are listening to this the week of December 4th. Uh, We will not be back until the week of January 8th. It is our custom to take the to take a month off um, and just relax, recharge and, you know, do holiday, uh, do holiday stuffs. I've already done holiday stuffs, but we can talk about that in the lounge. Sure. Yes. Uh, So you will uh, do. We did not pod fade. We did not disappear. We we are absolutely coming back. We're just taking time off for the holidays. So um, thank you a bunch. We'll see you the week of the 8th. Yeah. So happy holidays and happy happy new year. (laughs) Happy holidays. And uh, yeah. Uh, and Happy New Year. And you can still send us topics even while we're not actually on the air. Um, we will take them and then we'll start next year with a nice big bucket of them. And that would be awesome. So don't Ooh, feel wow. like we've disappeared. We'll still be on social media and stuff. Drop us a note, however you like to get that to us, and we'll take them. On the topic of topics, what is mm-hmm. our topic for tonight? Yeah, on the topic of topics. Well, we got a question from Masakomi on Mastodon, um, which says, in the Feel the Beat episode, you mentioned that it might be worth doing another episode about asking leading questions. I am currently in the process of writing a series of archetype slash class descriptions for my game that are comprised primarily of leading questions. So I would definitely be interested in hearing your current thoughts about that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. We like leading questions. And so when we went back to try and find, we, we knew we'd talked about this before and we had to go search it out. Um, and the last time we actually talked about this or did a, a whole episode on leading questions, even though we've referred back to it a lot of times, was episode 31 of Pandas, which was in October, I, I believe it was October of 2016. Indeed, it was so, 2016. Holy cow. <laughs> it's been a while. And that that episode is actually old enough that is only available to our patrons at this time. So over uh, 300 episodes ago. A long time ago in a podcast far, far away. I was recording <laughs> in a basement, I think, back in those days. You were. And I think, I mean, those were the days that I I also might have been recording in a basement. I, I recorded all over the place. <laughs> Anyway, I um, hadn't rearranged my whole office yet. (laughs) Pandas 31 wasn't the only time this topic's been discussed on the network. Um, The Misdirected Mark boys and I did this in um, Misdirected Mark 370, which I think is August of 2019. Yeah, so that's still like 
four years ago. <laughs> sure. And a whole pandemic. <laughs> and a whole pandemic ago. Yes. Which is all to say that it's about time we do another episode on leading it questions. About time. So I borrowed a bunch of stuff from our previous notes um, as I am the, um, I was back in the day, the primary uh, show writer. Yeah. For Misdirected Mark. And um, I grabbed show notes out of um, Pandas 31 and Misdirected Mark 370, pulled some of those ideas together. We're going to mix them in with some of our current ideas and uh, give you a show about leading questions. Yes. So yes, we are. I guess. How do we start this thing? With a definition. Oh, that's I would my think. part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good leading question right there. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks a bunch. Okay. <laughs> so let's define leading questions, right? Leading questions are questions that prompt and elicit a specific and we will say narrow response based on the way in which they are asked. Now, I say narrow, we're going to contrast that to open or broad will be the other type of question and we'll show you that in a second but let's go back to a narrow response based on the way in which they're asked i will give an example mm -hmm. senda tell me why aveline is not allowed back in the red claw inn yeah it has to do with that sword uh <laughs> we don't talk about that <laughs> okay so see in this example Right. I worded the question in such a way that I'm looking for a very specific type of answer. Right. I, I asked you about why you were not allowed back in. So I'm, you know, I'm looking for the reason why, because I want to use that in um, some part of the upcoming scene. Right. I want to pull that in um, and use whatever that uh, that was right in your case it has something to do about the sword I probably if we were playing in this game would pin you down and tell you to um, give me a little more material on that so oh, I, I knew would, what to do with it I would definitely um, in the moment of actual play um, probably give you a scene about what had happened there we go yeah. yeah and then that way I could use that material okay so Let's contrast that to a more open question where we're using broad or not constraining wording. So same question. Senda, um, tell me about a time Aveline was at the Red Claw Inn. Yeah, uh, I visited because I heard about their sweet potato soup um, and I just went and had a quiet dinner. Yeah. So see, in this case, I, I don't even know what kind of answer I'm going to get. Yeah. Right. There's no before I was looking for the reason why you weren't allowed back, i.e. kicked out here. I just asked you to tell me something about the Red Claw Inn. Neither one of those questions is better than the other, but they each have a different purpose. Yeah. And I think the the thing we'll get more into this, obviously, um, the thing to note is I think my investment as a player is probably less that I just went and had dinner there. Like, I know I know what it is. I ate there once versus, you know, we had a bar fight and someone, um, you know, had a sword that I maybe stole <laughs> and sure. then got kicked out for, for having it, but I never gave it back because I was so mad anyway. Yeah. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to juggle our notes here for a second. Why don't we talk a little bit more about um, what leading questions do? 
And then we'll get into how to make them. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. So, so you were kind of already starting down that path. Why don't you go ahead and um, take it a little further? Yeah. So what we were really going to talk about is what is the purpose of a leading question? And that is what I was starting to walk my way into, um, which is to to push answers from the players um, that you're directing for a specific purpose, right? Um, you're going to use whatever reason it is that I can't um, go back to the Red Claw Inn. That has a purpose in your story, right? Potentially. Yeah. So for instance, just, I mean, by way of this, right, let's just say we're, we're ad-libbing this. We're just, we're improving our game here. Sure. And um, I want to, I, I know that I want to do a scene um, in a tavern. Um, I've come up with the name of the tavern, either from, you know, either from my prep or from some random generator. And I know that I want this scene to be, I want tension to be in this scene, right? Because I need, I need you to do something like I need you to go seek out a contact, um, which would be relatively easy to do if there was no um, challenge or problem at the inn. Yes. But I want there to be a problem at the end, right? So yes. I want you to go looking for this contact, but I also want to complicate the scene and create some drama and some chances for some dice rolls by making your arrival into this tavern problematic. Yeah. Right? So I use a leading question to, to elicit from you the why so that I know when you walk in how to kind of play uh, what happened. Yeah. And you also gave me, and we may kind of talk about this a little bit more later, but you also gave me a moment to personally invest in that answer, right? Sure. As a player, I care more about my answer than if you had just as a GM told me you're not allowed in the Red Claw in anymore because you got in a fight there once. Oh, 100%. Right, 100%. Right? Like, it, it's way less interesting if I tell you. And also, yes. it is, um, it clips some of your um, authority, player yeah. authority, right? Like, yeah. if I just tell you like, oh, you once took a sword from here, you're not allowed in here. You might be like, well, why would I have taken a sword from here? Like, what, well, you know, right. what, how does that happen? Why did I, what other choice it, could I have made? It was painted blue and it was on the wall and I was on a date. <laughs> sure. Great reference, by the way. Great reference. Um, but yeah, so those things, right, the purpose of them when you're a GM, right, the purpose is um, to, like, as well, I do them as a GM when I'm looking for something that I want to pull into a scene, right? Yeah. And, and I kind of know what I want. So, um, and it's almost always conflict or trouble. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it won't be. Sometimes it might be. I might ask a leading question about like, why do you owe this NPC your life? Sure. But right? you could also you could also ask me a question like, why? Um, why is the Red Claw in one of your favorite places um, to go? Sure. Right? And then I would give you an answer and then I would care if something happened to it. Well, there we go. That's the thing I might right? do with it, right? So I might want to yeah. put I might want to put the red claw in jeopardy. Yes. And so then I might ask you uh something positive about it yes. so that I could then use that. Now, another way I could do this uh is let's say that there and again, I do a lot more of these when I am um improvising games, but I do and I will say I do sometimes put leading questions directly into my prep 
as a way to just like make sure that I prompt the players about a thing, especially if I don't really want to make up a reason for something. I will just drop myself a note in that tells me to ask a leading question to a player or the table. Yeah, I'm jumping in because if you want to literally hear Phil do this, I think you can kind of hear me doing this in a myriad of back episodes of She's a Super Geek, right? You could go find it if you wanted to. Um, In one shots, it's very helpful to get people invested and get a story going quickly. But the reason I wanted to call this specific thing out is what you have just described is the first episode of the third arc of Children of the Shroud. So if people are listening to Children of the Shroud, um, you asked a question, which was, how did you know Morris? Oh, yeah. Um, Which ended up being really important to how that entire arc went for the game because the assumption was, A, you do know him, right? That's where the question was leading. You do know him. There's no, I don't, I've never heard of him, right? There is only the openness of how much are you committing your character to this relationship, which is how deep you feel like you want to invest in it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And again, the thing is, I knew from writing that episode, right? I knew that if the players weren't really invested in um, in Morris and in what actually happened to him, yes, that they might not be as motivated into the story. Yes, absolutely. Right? Like, right? Like yeah. because the truth of the the truth of that story, not to go too far in case you haven't listened to it. <laughs> For people who haven't listened to it, but the truth of that story is it's kind of like it's not a major magical crime that occurs. Right. It, it's bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a it, mundane it's person using an using a um, using a magical potion. That's not the part that's really bad. <laughs> no, no, no. But but it, but like but that's how they discover it. Right. They discover yeah. that a they discover an NPC who's using this magical potion. Right now. That might not be um, that interesting. But when that person is the NPC where Morris, whose house where Morris died. Yes. Right. At his party. At his party. In his pool. (laughs) In his pool. Suddenly, there's a lot more at stake. Yes. So, yes. So those leading questions prepped right into. Now, that's a case where. The whole game um, hinged on the prep or hinged on those leading questions. I have in other cases um, just dropped far more um, mundane leading questions into (laughs) um, into like the beginning of a scene. Sure. Yes. Um, I was going to mention before you had mentioned Children of Shroud, one of the other ways that I kind of use leading questions is if I want to, and again, I love leading questions for um, juxtaposition, right? So if I if I ask you what's great about the Red Claw Inn, I'm good, you know, I can use it, I can use that as emotional leverage when I put the Red Claw Inn in danger. If I ask you why you were kicked out of the Red Claw Inn, then clearly I'm going to make you go into the Red Claw Inn. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Right, so the other thing is, if you say want to... Um, run down or rough up an NPC, the leading question I can ask is, well, how did that NPC once save your life? 
Oh, boy. <laughs> right? So now yeah. you're at conflict because you're like, well, from the, you know, from other parts of the story, this guy betrayed us. I'm definitely like, I want to put, I want to run some steel through this guy. But also now you, I've just made you tell me a scene where he saved you. So maybe you kind of owe him a little. Right. Right. I So I really like as a GM, um, those juxtapositions. The other one I will do is kind of confirmation of um, something bad, right? Like I know I want a, um, I think I did this once in a, um, that cyberpunk game I wrote. Um, uh, Rocker uh, Boys. Rocker Boys and Vending Machines. Yeah. So I was once playing it and um, there was this ex-girlfriend, right? So of course I was like, um, I, of course it was going to end badly. So the question I just needed to ask for their, their, ex, this ex-girlfriend was like, what thing of, of yours did she take that you've always wanted back? Oh boy. What a good question. Yeah. That just beautiful. Right? And it, like, it's a fun way to, um, and in that game, cause it was funny, the answer wound up being funny, but then it became something that we were able to recall like multiple times in the session. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing about leading questions, especially in one shots, is that they give you a very quick way to get investment from players because they're feeding you specific information. And that's where you get the stuff that comes up again and again, right? They, they've just created their own hook that you now know that they care about. Um, so now you get to pull on that. And, yes. you know, make it interesting. And and that's the thing that I really like about them. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they're so I think anytime a player gets to answer something um, is better than a GM telling them something. Right. Like in terms of yes. investment, you are always better um, because the player, a, a good player is going to pull something that's going to mean something for their character. Yeah. And they have the potential um, to turn out even more meaningful connections or reasoning than you necessarily expect them to. I'll go back to Children of the Shroud. If you haven't listened to it, you should listen to it. I'm really enjoying it. Oh my gosh. And it's on this network. So go check it out um, if you are into actual play at all. So again, back to the beginning of the third arc, Smarty Pants. Um, you know, you got some answers that connected people to Morris. And then Chris came out and said, he was one of my best friends. And he introduced me to my girlfriend. Um, and that was like, all right, like now we're in it, right? Because oh, sure. he gave like one- him the opportunity to choose his level of investment and to commit and go all in, right? Yeah. And once I had heard the answer, I was like, oh, all right. So this is going to be a much higher stakes. Yeah, he raised the stakes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be a much higher stakes uh, story than I originally thought. Because now um, this murder mystery right? This murder mystery about what happened to Morris is going to be even um, greater. More personal. More personal, more emotional investment because of um, who Morris was to Silas, Chris's character. Yeah. 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 So, so what are the, I think we've covered what they do um, in terms of purpose. Yeah. Right. I think it's very clear um, you're you're listening specific answers and really it's what do you want to do with your specific answers? Yeah, I think one more thing for us to maybe touch on here is um, Masakome was 
I think I might have just said that wrong because it's no longer in front of me. Oh, dear. Okay, moving right along. Um, One of the one of the ways that they were talking about using leading questions was for um, character creation purposes. Sure. So when you're writing a game or a playbook and you're putting a leading question on there, what you're doing is defining um, what a central um, conflict or central um, important piece of that archetype is, right? Yeah. And and by by creating a question that leads them into answering in a specific way, you're defining the purpose of the playbook. And that's just me. It depends on how many questions you've got, I guess. Um, if you have one question, one leading question, then that's you're defining the central purpose of that that character. I mean, you certainly can, right? You can certainly can with the leading leading question. Um, they're also good for background questions if you want to enforce a type of genre, like um, you know, let's say your um, character class or whatever you're building is some sort of um, duelist or swordsman, um, you know, then, you know, one of your leading questions can be along the lines of um, whom did you duel? Who did you duel that you did not kill that is looking for revenge? Yes. Right. And that's very genre enforcing, right? Because, yeah, well, right. (laughs) It's a story hook thing, but it's also genre enforcing because the leading question is, um, driving to the idea that you are a dualist, you must have at some point not killed somebody, you know, are they pissed? Yeah. And yeah. you've had duels in the past, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or you might be in the middle of a Princess Bride recreation. Yeah. yeah. Along those lines. So yeah, like you, that's, again, you're looking for something specific. So you use the question to bring about the the answer into that kind of narrow range. And again, we'll get back to that, how to construct them in just a moment. Yeah. All right. So I think we've also covered like when best to use them, right? Um, I have a couple favorites. We talked about them a lot in our examples. Um, Establishing relationships between um, PCs and NPCs, um, PCs and objects. Like anytime you need to establish a relationship, a leading question um, works very well because you can target the relationship and angle it towards a particular type of relationship. Yeah. I can telegraph what I'm looking for. They work really well in, in generating relationships in, you know, in session zeros for PC to PC as well. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. They're also great for adding details to a location. Um, This is a very popular one in um, the Brindlewood, the carved in Brindlewood games. Um, A lot of times you'll be asked like, uh, what about the facade of this house um, lets you know that it has weathered many storms? Yeah. Right. That's a leading, that's cool. a leading question. Yeah. And it's there to build up the location. I know in the um, public access game that, uh, that we play that Chris uses this quite a bit. And I think the, I think the mystery prompts him to do it. He could just be doing it on his own, but I, I get the feeling that the mystery is prompting him, him to do it only because um, Jason Cordova designed these games. And I have heard APs where Jason Cordova uses that exact same question um, where just to establish some sort of tone or to create a look or objects without having to describe it himself, will put that leading question out there. And sometimes it's directed at a player. Sometimes the whole table 
gets a shot at answering that question. They all get to give like a reason why this place looks like it's weathered many storms. Well, and in a game like that, I think it's also worthy of notation worth noting, that was a very long way to say worth noting, um, that it's easier for players to make something creepy for themselves than for you, the GM, to try and make it creepy for them again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, and it's also genre enforcing, right? Right. Because the question I'm asking you is to kind of enforce this genre. Tell me why it looks like this place has weathered many storms. Like great for like a New England, creepy New England lighthouse. Yes. So good. Okay. So when don't you want to use leading questions? Because you could technically use them everywhere, but there's, you know, there's no absolutes in this game, right? We're not Siths. Um, (laughs) So when, like, when wouldn't you use leading questions? Yeah, I, the times when I would avoid them are when you want to give them latitude, your players, uh, that Mm -hmm. is, you want to give them latitude to determine something. Um, Like you might just want some details about the Red Claw in and you don't, need anything specific you just want some information about it so that to help you out in terms of creating that atmosphere so you might just say hey everybody tell me like what's one standout thing about the red claw Inn?" and somebody might tell you that it smells like crab claws and somebody might tell you that the floors are explicitly clean and somebody might tell you that thursdays are when they do their sweet potato soup right like sure Somebody might tell you there's a blood stain on the counter uh, for the bar, right? Like you, you don't know what you're going to get. And you can, when you don't, when you don't necessarily care about what you're going to get, you just want to foster a little bit of investment in a thing um, and you want to give them really broad freedom about it, then you, you can be um, much more open about your questions. You don't have to be super leading. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I will also say along those same lines, um, if you want the group to come up with an answer for something, like you want them to collaborate on something, um, sometimes you don't want to constrain them to a specific thing. You want to just like let them, you know, work in a large space. So you would use maybe like a more open question. Yeah. If you're asking why did you travel to the mountains of doom, um, you might just let them come up with that if there's four minds together thinking about it instead of, you know, um, a more leading question about why are these mountains where you have to destroy the ring? Sure. Okay. So let's talk about constructing some leading questions, right? Yeah. Um, so we know what they, we know what they do. Um, we gave a bunch of examples, like a bunch of examples about, you know, (laughs) using them and kind of getting them in your game and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about making one, right? Like there's a little bit of a breakdown here um, that I don't think a lot of people break <laughs> break down um, because I think once you hear one or two leading questions, you're like, oh, I got it. I can make leading questions. Right. And you can. Um, but I like to break things down and take things apart. So um, let's talk about that. Sure. Let's so, do it. <laughs> Normally, the way we construct a leading question is we pick an object, right? A barmaid, a prince, a cavern, whatever. We decide what we need from the answer, right? So that's the first way we're going to narrow the field is, do we want information? Do we want status of a relationship? Do we want a historical fact? Uh, Do we want a threat? Whatever it is, right? So we, we start to narrow our question by picking that thing because we want that kind of answer, right? We want a piece of information, a threat, 
a status of a relationship. And then we can narrow it a further by putting like kind of a slant on it, right? What tone are we looking for, right? Is it scandalous? Is it happy? Is it fearful? Um, like give you an example. Tell me about it. Tell me why you're not allowed at the Red Claw in anymore, right? Is um, it's a leading question. It's not super narrow. If I was like, tell me the scandal that resulted in you being banned from the Red Claw Inn. Yeah. That's more narrow. Tell me the duel that occurred in the Red Claw Inn that has permanently banned you, right? I can, like, you can narrow it even further. Yeah. Tell me about the duel you lost at the Red Claw Inn. That's why you can't go back. Yeah. Who's the lover you jilted? Oof. That will prevent, that that keeps you from going back to the Red Claw Inn. Yeah. Right? Those are, like... So the first part, right, when I was just like, why aren't you allowed to come back? That is kind of narrow, right? That's more narrow than an open question because I am looking for a particular thing. But I can I can put a tone on it and narrow it even further. Yeah, you can get more specific. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. And when I say narrow it, I mean the range of answers you can give me against all possible answers has gotten dramatically smaller yes. once I stick tone on it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so again, if we look at the red claw in, right? Um, the red claw in was our object in that question. Mm-hmm. We wanted a relationship status. And the tone was problematic, right? Because the the result is why you can't come back. Yes. Right? Like there was a, the, the tone of it was, I am looking for a problem here. And clearly it's a problem I'm going to bring back up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I have made it a problem. I'm making you make it a problem so that I can make it into drama. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. Um, I think we've done a pretty good job of talking about these, why they're helpful as a GM, right? As a GM, um, they are great tools for, I, I look, <laughs> here's the thing. For every leading question you ask at the table, you could have just made up the answer yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, we said it earlier where, um, first of all, you had said that um, it lacks emotional investment if I just tell you you were kicked out of here. Yes, it does. Okay. What did I as a character do to get kicked out of there? Or how how dare you remove my agency to tell me what I did? Yeah, or right? what if I just don't interpret your character correctly? Like, right. oh, I would never have gotten kicked out of my favorite bar, right? I would have done a I lot of things have. there, but I would never have gotten Not kicked bad. out of my favorite bar. Yeah. Um, kind of thing, right? So, so one, yeah, so one, it, it lacks investment and... It cuts in on agency. And what if I just like totally get your character wrong? Yeah. Right? Like, and, and I'll tell you a place where this happens a lot is, or where having the leading question is better. If you are doing a one shot and you know nothing about these characters. Yup. Putting the leading questions in allows you to get some information without knowing anything about the character. Right. Because they will now the player will tell you what you need to know about this relationship, this reason why they can't go back in, et cetera. Um, If I remember correctly, the very beginning of uh, Dangerous Space Jail asks one or two leading questions about the inn that you're in. 
Yeah, right? it definitely did. I don't remember what they were, but I do remember them. Yeah. It doesn't have a it doesn't have a large bearing on the actual adventure. But since the game plays often as a one-shot, it gives the players a few moments to kind of tell a group story. Yeah. Right? And it gives them just like a little kind of hook to uh, recall early on in the game when there isn't much about them to recall. Yeah. Okay. Um, going back to the thing where you could answer them all yourself, you totally can. Um, but here's the thing. Other people's ideas are sometimes better than your ideas. Yeah. Um, so when possible, when you could just come up with an answer yourself, anytime I catch myself doing that, I often will stop. Um, like, I'll stop, I'll back up. Like, if I was to say, like, let's say your character was in law enforcement. Sure. Um, and you had a confidential informant that you often went to. And I'm like... And I was going to just tell you this in the game, like, oh, you want to find out more about that street gang? You, I would be like, oh, you have a confidential informant that um, you can use for this, right? It's okay. Eh, sure. It's not terrible. It's not terrible, right? But if I tell you like, okay, look, um, you have a confidential informant, but what did you do to them the last time you used information that they are um, reticent to give you any more information. I am immediately more interested in this person. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we, and we can already see that scene forming. Right. Yeah. But, it, and it could even with, even without it being a complication, you could still ask a question that um, informed you who the informant was. So, yeah. So now like we're way more invested in what this, um, this CI is and what this scene might look like or what the scene might include. Like you might have to do something to appease the CI, um, you know, before you can get information out of them again, or at least we're going to have a scene where they're going to complain about it. Yeah. Uh, if, if nothing else, at the very, very least, it gives us a starting point for a scene as you and I talk um, in characters that we have never interacted as before, even though we're we're pretending in our in our story that they have a relationship, an existing relationship. Yeah. Um, it is much easier to start from a point of having something to work from. When I also say that um sometimes other people's ideas are better than yours, um, public access as a game takes advantage of this. Um yeah. one of the things <laughs> you do when you make your um where day and night moves is that you, um, the GM will ask you, what bad thing do you think will happen if you fail this role? And on the day move, if you fail the role, that's what happens, right? You're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get caught um, by the sheriff snooping around in this house. Yeah. Okay. In the night move, it's, it, the wording is, it's worse than you think it's going to be. So what happens yes. is the player hands the GM the, um, what they're afraid of in this moment. And then the GM yes. compounds that to make it extra it scary. Worse. 
Yes. And that's a great way of just instead of, you know, the GM saying like, oh, you failed your role. This thing happens. And maybe the player's like, oh, shit. Or maybe the player's like, meh, who cares? I can deal with that. Right. By making the player tell you what you're afraid is going to happen. um, Yes. Goes to one, the emotional investment point to Uh the. um the moment as many GMs will have where they're like, wow, I did not see that coming. Yep. You know, kind of, kind of thing. Um, So, so those are really, they're so good. I am such a fan of playing off of each other in a game. Like I just, the, I like throwing something out like as a question and then playing off what comes back. Like, I love that as a GM. I love the challenge of it. Like if you tell me that, you know, your confidential informant, um, you let them sit in jail for a couple days, right? Um, because you were doing something else when they got busted on a minor, you know, a minor issue or whatever. Um, like I now have like the basis of how the scene's going to go. Right. Like I know that I'm going to give you shit about me getting locked up. You know, I, I immediately have a better understanding of how the scene is probably going to go. Exactly. Now, if I wanted to speed the game along, right. So this is another thing where it's helpful as a GM. I can use leading questions as well to, I can make the road bumpy or I can make the road smooth. Right. So if I want to make the road smooth, I could be like, um, tell me, tell me why your confidential informant is always so reliable. Sure. Right? No conflict there. And in fact, not only no conflict, I'm basically signaling you whatever I give you in this next scene is good. Yeah. Right. I don't have to <laughs> exactly. double check it. This is going to be exactly. reliable. So right. I can do it both ways as a GM. I can use it to, um, I can use it to make a scene more complicated, right? So we can have a whole argument about why did you let me rot in jail before I'm even going to be convinced to give you any more info, right? I can just run you around on that for a little bit. Or if I want this part to go quickly because I just want to give you this info and get to something else later that's more that I want to focus more time on, I can use that um, that same question to shortcut why this um, why this is going to be easy and why we can kind of zip through that scene. In fact, I don't even have, you don't even have to have the whole conversation. I can be like, oh, you went to see your informant. Um, and after, you know, you had a cup of coffee with them, they told you that the word on the street is it's this guy. Right. Yeah. And now we're, and I can take and that now we just reliable. moved on yep. to that and we can get to something else that I want to put the focus on. That there's theoretically yeah, something more exactly. interesting. Yeah. So time management. Yeah, time management, um, scene management. I mean, the, the, GMs don't always want every scene um, to be a production. Like sometimes you just want a scene to get through it so that you can get to the other scenes that are like where you where you really put your like meat and potatoes. Right. So. Sure. And I know like I do this a lot in mysteries because mysteries are one of those things where players wander around like like poking everything or talking to everybody and sometimes like a couple of leading questions will help um smooth over a section so that we can get to back onto the better part of the mystery or some action that's going to occur as a result of the mystery or something yeah i think that's a really important place to use them Mm -hmm. to smooth the path 
right? Or to get people out of things that they could potentially turn into red herrings, even if you didn't intend them as red herrings, right? Because we all know that that happens sometimes that in mysteries. That informant one is absolutely yeah. a place where players could go on the red herring. So by they just totally establishing, could. like, why is this person so reliable or why are they such a um, good source of information or something, you've kind of like, you've flagged to your players, not a red herring. This is not yeah. a red herring. Please take these words to All be right. real. So I think yes. that we've done a good job here talking about why they're helpful, uh, you know, to GMs, right? You farm the table for ideas. Um, you can constrain ideas into particular places. You have created emotional investment. Um, you can you can make things more complicated or less complicated. Yeah. Yes. You can you can steer the game into the important parts and smooth past things that are not important to your story. Okay, so why don't we, before we close out this um, discussion on open questions, or on leading questions, Yes. why don't we talk about the open question? It's not a terrible thing. Sure. No, it's definitely not. There are times and places for it, right? There are times and places for it. <laughs> I would even hazard to say, as we say for so many things, it is a spectrum, right? Because you can ask a question that is somewhat leading or very leading or super leading, or you can slide it back along the scale and ask a question that's a little bit leading, but mostly open, right? So we are talking about exact opposite ends here. Boy, if this show doesn't have some central philosophies, right? I know. Spectrum is one of them. Yes. Spectrum <laughs> is absolutely. These things are analog, not digital. Um, yes. So open questions like are good when um, when you just, you don't even know what you want, right? Or maybe you don't even have a purpose for them. Like I use leading questions when I have a purpose. Yeah. Um, I use open questions when I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Everybody tell me a thing about this place, right? Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to use everything that everybody tells me, but one of you is likely going to come up with something where I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Or who knows? Later in the scene, I might work another thing in. Yeah, um, it, it will give you more of an array of possibilities yeah. um, for different and potentially unexpected answers um, or just more stuff to work with. It's, it's just going to be a broader range. Yeah, because absolutely. Because it was open. <laughs> yeah, um, they're really like they're good in that respect where, um, again, sometimes I like unexpected answers. Like, yeah. I, like I used to, um, when I gamed more, um, with Tony, the rainmaker, Boy. Um, throwing, Boy. Un throwing Unex open questions, <laughs> right. Throwing Ooh. open questions on the table. You'd get like kind of normal answer, normal answer, Tony's answer. Yeah. And they'd be like, <laughs> okay, okay, let's work those all together. Like, let's, let's make them all work together kind of thing. Right. I mean, make this like really kind of interesting um thing if i had narrowed them on tony like then you know i can get a specific response from him with a leading question but like sometimes like having especially if you have a player who's got some really like non-linear thinking throwing yes. out open questions can be a lot of fun like just the the yes. stuff they will come up with and you're just like wow okay well yes let's let's work that into the game like I don't know why this, you know, I don't know why this pub is also, you know, the um, 
the home of the cult of the snake god, but like it is now. And let's like, let's like, let's go. Here we go. Um, A Tony answer to an open question is how I ended up playing a turning point scenario that was intended to be played as a modern scenario in a very traditional D and D style dungeon crawl setting. And it was amazing, Yeah, but it's, I never would have thought of that if I hadn't just thrown it out there and that was Tony's answer, right? Yeah. So again, open questions, really good for your nonlinear thinkers, your folks that like to push boundaries or come up with some weird stuff. Not that you can't get them to come up with weird stuff with a leading question, but it's almost, it's almost too easy with, with those kind of, (laughs) with those kinds of thinkers. (laughs) Um, So yeah, they're like, they're really good like that. Uh, Another place where you want to use them is when you don't, want to telegraph player answers like for instance if i know the door is trapped right i could ask a leading question about the party order right where i could basically put the thief at the front door right like you know hey tell me why you know tell me why so you know tell me why the thief um is always at the front or, you know, what's the thief's, what does the thief normally do when you if i ask that question what does the thief normally do when you approach the door Right. That's my leading question because I'm giving, I'm telling the thief your approach the door kind of thing, which if I wanted to spotlight the thief by doing this cool trap, I could definitely do that. Um, But if I just got like a bunch of kobolds behind door that are ready to like throw a spear at the first person who opens the door, I can just leave that as an open question. Who opens the door? Yeah, because you, you just want to know who's in front. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care who I'm throwing the spear at. Like, I'm going to throw the spear at whoever opens the door, right? So, you know, you can definitely do that as a um, as an open question. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't need to lead them. It, they're also really good when you want players to collaborate or problem solve together, right? When you want the table to come up with a group answer. Yeah. Um, and you want to just have a moment where everyone's kind of sitting down to think about something together and they will feed each other ideas, which will coalesce into something really interesting that you probably couldn't have come up with on your own as a single brain, yeah. right? A table of multiple brains is a great way to come up with cool answers and open questions are a great, great way to make all those brains work together and be creative. Indeed, Right. And then yeah. you avoid them. Um, for the reasons where you would want a lead question, right? When you when you're looking for a specific outcome, don't use an open question. Use a leading question, right? You point them in the direction of the answer you want. Um, yeah. The other one um, might be time based. Open questions can sometimes have um, because you have such an open space to answer them. Sometimes it takes people longer to answer an open question, right? Yeah. There's you're you're working in a much, much broader sandbox and it's easier to be creative with constraints. Yeah. Whereas if we go the route of I ask you a leading question, I have narrowed the field considerably and your answer likely will come out a little bit faster. Okay, so that's our look at leading questions with a little bit of a touch on open questions. But to kind of bring this about to a final conclusion. Leading questions are the kind of thing you do when you are looking for a targeted answer and you can make them like you, like we said earlier, uh, it is a scale. You can make them very narrow or you can make them a little narrow um, based on how you ask them, right? Because you can ask a specific question, you can ask a question and 
and a particular tone for the answer, you have a couple of those options um, for your use. And then they're incredibly useful as a GM, uh, whether you prep your game or whether you improv your game, you can absolutely prep leading questions into your prep and then just use the answers and play off them at the table. Um, as um, and if you're if you're improv gaming, you can 100 percent just use leading questions to get information or bits for you to use as you, you know, to incorporate into scenes. And then also, I will say this um, from a player perspective, players can also use leading questions. We didn't talk about this a lot and we could probably make this into a whole separate episode, but a player can ask a leading question to a GM. Yeah, absolutely. Like that is a thing you can do um, to narrow the GM's way they want to answer it. Now, you're, again, this is a whole other episode, but uh, that is an entire possibility and I'll leave it at that. But explore that idea if you haven't thought about it more. Um, explore the idea that you could ask your GM some leading questions. Okay. Does that seem like a good uh, wrap up on our topic? Yeah, I definitely think it does. Okay. Cool. In order for us to close out this episode and close out the year, we need to talk about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. What is that show? Yeah. Um, for our last blurb of the year, we're going to talk about FACA with Advantage, on which Ange and Jared love talking about RPGs and D&D. Together, they share insights into the games they're running in the campaign journal and then tackle a variety of topics that affect the game in the DM's workshop. Maybe you'll even pick up an ancient D&D factoid about a previous edition of the game that you'll never use. Who knows? They're like little treasures littered throughout the cavern that is FACA with Advantage. Go Treasures check it out. for your brain. Treasures, Treasures for, your, for your, brain. your brain. Yeah. Little green gems falling out of the big demon head statue mouth. Just like the like, copper pieces on the ground. Like you're not sure why you're scooping them up, but <laughs> you wind up taking them with you. You never know. <laughs> you never know. All right. Say send to where can people find us? There's the one place people can find us on the internet. Yeah. You can find us at misdirectedmark.com slash panda and that page has links to all of our social media accounts as well as uh, a place where you can write us an email aka our email address um, which is all the ways basically that you can find us on the internet and Phil once they have found the way of their choice what can they do with that information like most episodes and say question topic and I, there's something you want to hear us talk about uh, Well, folks, some say Phil's words of wisdom were too pure and perfect that night. The microphone simply kept it to itself so that the spirit of wonder could prevail this holiday season. As the pandas tucked themselves in for the holiday break, they took great care in keeping their mailboxes available so that you, dear listeners, could send in your questions and create a bountiful pile for them to sort through once they wake from their slumber. Over in the Slack Room for Life, where the misdirected Mark patrons are able to gather, the holiday festivities continued. 
There are discussions of anything ranging from gaming to Star Trek to recipes are happening daily. Oh, what's that, dear listener? How can you join the Slack Room for Life? Why, it's quite simple. Just browse on over to patreon.com slash MMP and join up as part of the small council or even be a part of the high court. This bounty also includes a seat at the Bamboo Lounge, where you can hear directly from the pandas themselves the tales of their adventures in life and more. Oh, speaking of pandas, I believe we have one final words of wisdom from one of our pandas. If there are any other ways you wish to help embolden the spirits of the pandas here at the show while they are on break for this holiday season, what is it that could also help out, Senda? Well, you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help people find the show. But you could also, as a special gift for podcasters, just go tell a friend um, or leave a review or leave a review and then tell us where you left the review because reviews are like gifts for podcasters. Um, Yeah, so they're pretty great and they make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. And thanks so much to everybody who's already left a review. Wise words indeed, Senda. From Phil and Senda both, thank you for joining us here in part or in whole for 2023. I am assured that they are both looking forward to teaming back up together in 2024 to answer more questions and to play more better games. Hooray! Happy holidays! Happy holidays! (laughs) No ending question this week. Happy holidays! Happy holidays! (laughs) There you go. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Clicky. Did you actually do it? Mm-hmm. I okay. did click. Did okay. you click? Yeah, I did. I just, okay. I heard a sound. Yeah, that's because I was automatically pulling my keyboard towards me as if it would do something for me, but it is not hooked up to this computer. And then I went to put it up and it went (laughs) and flopped over. Okay. Okay. Bloop! Handily, my heat came on right as we started doing the quiet part, which is the thing that I'm always worried about as background noise, so. I don't know. I can't, I I can't hear it, so. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't pick up on the mics at all. It's pretty, it's pretty quiet, so. All right. you, You ready? I think so. Okay. Bloop. Bloop. Show me what you got. Show me what you got.